Welcome, monsieur. Sit yourself down and meet the best innkeeper in town. A gent of good intent who's content to be master. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. This is a statistics episode, but not quite like the others have been. I don't intend, anyway, to use any numbers here for the most part. Uh, I don't even have my spreadsheet pulled up in front of me. This is simply the spreadsheet and the statistics that I keep on movies in a more general, realistic application sense of usage, if I may. And... You know, I've put so much time into this spreadsheet. I I can't, I couldn't tell you how much time it's been. Countless hundreds of hours, I think, might even be underestimating just how much time and effort I've put into this spreadsheet. It's, It's a sprawling thing, and, you know, if I were... If, if I were, you know, savvy at coding or something along those lines, perhaps I could create a web page version of the spreadsheet that would adequately encompass the same amount of data that I keep track of on my own. And it could probably, it would probably be able to do so infinitely more efficiently than I can do it. Um, As it stands right now, I am missing quite a bit of data on uh, Bechdel test and MPAA ratings for movies, having not initially used that category of categorization. Uh, for any, every film, and so, you know, there's a point where it starts, there's a few going backwards that I've filled in as I've found the time to do so, but there's many gaps there. There are many, many gaps as far as directors and writers go. You know, I've made it a point, I made it a point to make sure that I had the data on every, for every film that's had a writer or director nominated for that particular um, position. And then most of the notable ones, if not all of the notable writers and directors are at least appear in the spreadsheet, if not have been completely, uh, completely worked, you know? And what I mean by that is 100% Christopher Nolan is on my director's page. 99% all of his movies that he's directed that I've seen are on that page for him. Now, in Christopher Nolan's particular case, yes, I have all the movie data for his movies is uh, perfect through writers and directors. Oh, maybe not writers. Well, at least for directors anyway. It is all in the, that page. Um, but for some other directors that are also notable to, to that level, that may not be the case. 
and I don't know any of them offhand, but it's simply, uh, you know, it's simply a, a mountain to overcome in terms of time to, to get there. And, and every time I sit down and say, hey, look, just like do, I tell myself just to do one extra one a day, you know, and like even that can sometimes, you know, like there's so many other things to do in a day, you know, and if I did have, you know, if I didn't have to work a full-time job, I'm sure I would have the time to do so, but, uh, I mean, I do, for now, I do work a full-time job that doesn't relate to movies, so that's where we're at, um, but I started the spreadsheet simply as a way to track the movies that I'd seen, I thought, I, I had tried to make a list of movies I'd seen many, many years ago when I was back, still in grade school. And <clears throat> I didn't, it didn't amount to anything. I didn't put enough time or effort into it. And I wasn't really serious about movies back then. You know, I was, I was just rewatching the movies that I owned all the time. And so it wasn't until college that I finally decided, uh, in my early in my sophomore year to really do something with this and and even then i had only just gotten into movies and it was about it was probably january when i started working on the spreadsheet i remember taking i remember like i was home for uh spring break working on the spreadsheet filling in as many movies as i possibly could that i'd seen um, trying to remember, you know, a lot of the movies that I'd seen, uh, or all the movies that I'd seen prior to 2010, the f view count is approximate. It's not precise. It's the my best guess, uh, as far as I'm aware. Uh, many of any of the years last seen prior to 2010 are just best guesses like I was like I can think of I can remember seeing this in middle school but not high school so it's probably in 2005 was the last time I saw it or something to that effect um, so and, and you know obviously whatever movies I watched as a baby I don't remember and even if I did remember them I probably wouldn't put them on the spreadsheet anyway so it, it eventually, you know, it grew to become, well, you know, I have a list of all these movies that I've seen, you know, why wouldn't I try to make it worth more than just that? You know, it's more than just a checklist. A checklist didn't seem to be relevant enough to me as far as time and energy spent. So I added... I started to add information about the movies themselves. When they, was the movie released? Um, I started color coding it. If the movie was animated, if the movie was a documentary, if the movie was in a foreign language, I added a brief summary for every movie. Um, I... What, well, I'm trying to think what the progression was, but I, it was probably um, genres... I, tr I added, added a new page, copied over all the movie titles, and then started to check off the genres that they were categorized as. And I had to do that for 
ooh, I don't remember how many movies I started with. Um, I could probably, it was probably close to about 12, 1300 movies at the time when I first started the spreadsheet, which seems like a lot, but now that the film, now the spreadsheet's grown to over 4,000 movies, um, in just five years, that's a lot. It's so much more now than it was then to go back and like rework a uh, an entire category of thing like it just it's so much now and so so genres was a big thing um you know i wanted to be able to say hey this is my favorite sci-fi movie or hey do you you know people would start to come to me and ask me well hey i want to watch a romantic comedy that uh features thrilling elements that I could sort by romantic comedy thriller and you know I don't know how many of those I've watched but I'm sure there's some movies that fit that categorization so I would say all right well I liked this one and this one and this one and that was I liked that I that felt really good to me to be able to have that information at the tip of my fingers so readily and i i I just and it just kept growing from there you know i added actors and i think i said this on a previous episode you know i only had actors in movies rated 80 and above then i did 70 and above and then i did 60 and then i did just everything and and now every movie that i watch their director their writer every actor that's in it that's been in you know one other pro high profile thing uh every genre every academy award every this that and the other like so many things have been layered on top of the spreadsheet that i originally started with and it's growing faster than I can keep up with it. Because even if I did finish filling in all the information for the Bechdel test and the MPA ratings and the writers and the directors, you know, I would want to do more. I would want to add another something else to it. I don't know what it would be, but I would want to add more to it. You know, my the biggest gripe that I have right now is the tie-breaking system, which is my rating first, then Rotten Tomatoes score, then length with shortest um, trumping longest, and finally, if there are is two, if there are two movies that I give the exact same rating to, that they have the exact same Rotten Tomatoes score and are the exact same length in minutes, the fourth qualifier is runtime. Or no, that's the third one. The fourth qualifier is year, release year. So earlier release year trumps older release year. And like the idea behind that is just, well, I rated it higher, and then critics rated it higher, and then it got the same rating as something else, but it it took, it did it in less time. You know, so if the movie took an hour and a half to get a 90, 
Like it got there really quick and made an impression much faster than a movie that took two and a half hours to get a 90. <clears throat> and, you know, there's been plenty of discrepancy in even these tiebreakers as I've, as the years have passed. And then as far as the release year is concerned, it said, well, this one did it first. So it trumps it. Uh, but, I mean, inevitably, all of these movies, you know, the, I don't know, 50-plus movies that I've rated exactly a 90 are relatively all similar in quality, in appreciation, in how they affect me. So, you know, I, I ultimately then... After after I got to a certain point, it kind of became a conversation piece. You know, my roommates would, you know, tell people about them about the spreadsheet when they would visit our apartment, and I'd show it to them, and they'd be impressed, and that'd be kind of it. You know, you know, I haven't currently haven't really met anybody that's like actually been interested in diving into the spreadsheet and really you know like i'll go through and like oh well this is the page for movies and this is the page for actors and this is the page for directors etc and you know they're interested and they and you know most people feel like wow that's an impressive feat that you've accomplished um and you know i don't say that it's incomplete because it's always going to be incomplete but you know, no one's really wanted to be like, oh, well, like, explain it to me. Tell me more. Show me how it works. Da, 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 da. Show me how you put in the data for a movie. Show me how you come to the conclusion that Philip Seymour Hoffman is 25 places higher than, I don't know, Johnny Depp. It's probably, probably close, but not exact. And, you know, I'd be happy to do that. You know, I... I but it just kind of became like, oh, well, what, as far as the people who I associated with regularly, it's just like, well, what did you give up? What did you give The Dark Knight Rises? What did you give Finding Dory, How to Train Your Dragon 2, Hell or High Water? Uh, you know, and that's not an irrelevant piece of information. Um, it's certainly affecting you know when you give dr strange a 76 well what does the 76 mean is it a 76 like a c on a math test is it a 76 like 26 points higher than perfectly average you know where does that actually fall as far as did you like it do you really like it did you love it did you hate it etc etc um and as far as as far as that goes and you can, I think there's somewhat of a rough rubric for this on my letterboxed account, but I generally think of anything from zero to 24 is awful. It's incredibly awful. Um, an example of a zero movie would be Aragon, uh, the book adaptation that came out in 08, I think. And I just think it's absolute shit. I think it's so fucking awful. I went to see it 
And there's one review that I remember, one comment rather, not even a review, that stuck with me since that day, the day I saw it. And, you know, it it's not a great book. It was definitely more of like a guilty pleasure read for me at the time because it does borrow quite a bit from a lot of other stories and storytellers. But I really enjoyed it and I was so excited to see a movie about it. And at the time, you know, I wasn't really aware that Hollywood was just out there to make money. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't realize that there was this corporate greed machine running around. And I went and saw the movie with one of my best friends of the, at the time. And it was the most disappointing experience I've ever had at a movie theater. So, and then, so this comment essentially said that whoever the director was of Aragon took the book and threw it on the ground in front of Christopher Paolini, the, the writer, and dropped trowel and pissed all over it. And I couldn't just, I couldn't agree more, you know. You know, again, like, as I mentioned, a hundred does not mean the movie's perfect. Zero does not mean the movie does not have good aspects to it. You know, any any real movie, like feature film, not biography, or, or not di- documentary, not short film, that gets a zero probably has some actor in it that's not shit. You know, you've got Jeremy Irons uh, in Aragon, and he's a decent actor, and like he's obviously not bad in the movie, but the movie itself makes him bad simply by being so poorly an adaptation. And there is that qualification where I think if this movie had been released and there wasn't a book attached to it, it might get a couple points from me, and it wouldn't be a zero. But I, I could not give it those points because it was an adaptation. It did have a source material that was well-regarded and was, if not you know, groundbreaking literature, good for what it was and its time. So zero, the most awful of awful movies, 24, the best awful of awful movies, and the best example I have of that is Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, which is what I think to be as good a movie can be while being awful, because it is, you know, it's it's just gorgeous to look at. It's It's got so many incredible visual effects in it, so many great scenes, snapshots, and, uh, you know, the visuals are arresting, and that's fantastic. That doesn't make a movie, though, because you've got Superman, Henry Cavill, who I think is not a great acting Superman, or a great acting Clark Kent. You've got wasted characters, played by wasted actors in this movie, from Lawrence Fishburne, to Gal Gadot, you know, all too many to name. And I've seen both the original theatrical version and the Ultimate Edition. I don't think the Ultimate Edition solves any of the problems or 
you know, I, I had given it a 24 prior to seeing Ultimate Edition. It stayed at a 24 after seeing Ultimate Edition. The plot is just so nonsensical and so reliant on conveniences and the heavy hand of the writers to force characters to act the way they want them to, not the way that the characters would necessarily act themselves. And so many contrivances, uh, more too many to name, and this isn't a... I don't want to get too far down this rabbit hole. So the then 25 to 49 are just bad movies. And there's a lot of variance in this range because generally any movie that's so bad it's good ends up falling toward the lower end of this range because it's actually worse than this range, but it's so bad that it makes it better than the range it's supposed to be in. Um, you also have in this range a lot of movies that I think are well-made, but I really don't connect to at all. Um, I mentioned All is Lost before with Robert Redford. That falls in this range. Um, uh, but, you know, it's it's th these two ranges specifically are ones I've been trying to uh, better... Mm, attribute to movies. Um, you know, I think when I started rating movies, I was being very liberal with my ratings, and a lot of movies got rated higher than they should have been. And I've since, you know, made a lot of corrections uh, as time has gone by. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, the low end of the 25 to 49 range are like real bad. And, you know, once you get into the 40s, and high forties are like, oh, well, this is, there's some merit, there's plenty of merit to this, it doesn't really hit, you know, it's just like the tip, it tips the scale just a little much into the not good side of the scale. So 50 on the nose is average, perfectly average. Uh, the movie I would point to for that is Secret Life of Pets. It is perfectly average, you know, the majority of that movie is paint by numbers. We've seen this before. Couple of things here and there that I thought were actually quite good, and then a couple of things here and there that I thought were quite bad. Um, let me see. There was, I think it's uh, Jenny Slate's character. There's like the white, puffy, fluffy dog. Um, I loved her. I thought she was great in it. But then uh, the bunny, voiced by Kevin Hart, I believe, I hated it thought it was terrible and like nothing against Kevin Hart but I just I just thought it was bad so then you've got 51 through 59 which are slightly above average but generally not good yet so like oh yeah it's that's okay that's decent it's fine um, but not a movie that I would ever say that I liked generally speaking. Now, one of the things that you've, that has to be taken into account for this, this scale is that I generally consider 50% of the rating to be subjective and 50% of the rating to be objective. So for example, a movie like Strange Magic, which I've also mentioned previously, has a 59. And 
the only thing preventing it from getting a higher rating is that I objectively know that it is not a good movie. And it's actually a pretty bad movie. But subjectively, I love that movie. I think it's fantastic. I listen to the soundtrack all the time. I know most of the songs, even though most of the songs, all the songs are just, you know, rehashes of classic songs, which I know that I criticize Trolls for. But I don't know. It just, it kind of works in this because, I don't know, Trolls uses them, all, all the songs it has. So literally, you know, True Colors is just so on the nose. But I guess, I guess Strange Magic does the same thing. I don't know. It. I think it's because Trolls is a better movie objectively than Strange Magic is. That it feels like when it's using these songs, they're kind of a cop out. Because it does have original songs too. And so there's that issue of imbalance. Whereas Strange Magic doesn't have any original songs. So it from the beginning, you know what kind of movie it is. And I, I like that. Um, so it has a 59. But objectively, it's probably a much should be much lower. And subjectively, it should be much higher. So just because a movie's in the 50s, it means that either, you know, it could just be an average movie that I didn't like or dislike. It can be a bad movie that I liked. It can be an awful movie that I loved. It can be a great movie that I hated. It can be a good movie that I disliked. You know, like ever, all these things kind of come into play when I'm rating these movies. And so the higher up you go, the more um, synergistic my opinion is with my objective viewpoint of the movie and you know the same thing for the lower you go so when you hit 60 through 69 where actors directors and writers all get one point of value for this move for each movie in this range these are movies that generally when a movie's in the 60s i'll say this is a movie that i liked um which is roughly true i don't I don't have any offhand that I can point to currently. I did just see a few that I rated in the 60s, though. Uh, like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I gave a 64, 65, mid-60s somewhere. Um, you know, and I think that's a case of a movie. I think I liked it more than it was good. But I don't think it's bad. Like, I think objectively it's probably a little lower maybe in the mid to high 50s and i liked it a little more like high 60s low 70s so it ends up in the mid 60s range um and so like in the 60s are generally movies i like this movie that's how i would describe it you know what did how did you you know i went and saw such and such movie oh what'd you think i liked it probably is in the 60s um I really liked it. It's probably in the 70s, 70 to 79, so Doctor Strange. I really liked Doctor Strange. I didn't love it. I don't think it's a great movie, but I really liked it. Um, you know, 80 to 89, great movie. And I loved it. That's 
generally where the scale hits in that point. Uh, 90 to 99, amazing movie. I really loved it. Fantastic. You know, it's incredibly high praise. Uh, 90, 90 to 99 movies used to be, I used to watch like, there were days where I'd hit like three or four of them in a day. And now, you know, I barely ever scratched the 80s, let alone 90s, it seems. Uh, which I think is probably more more of the accurate situation to be in. I don't think I don't think people actually watch fantastic movies left and right. You know, no matter how excited you can be for a movie, you know, you've seen all the trailers, you've, you know, read all the buzz, you know, all the actors and all the characters and all their play, and you like could not be more excited to see this movie. And it can still not meet your expectations, no matter how good it is. And so, you know, it's, it is, it should be tough for a movie to get such a high score. And then the coveted 100, which, you know, is just the same thing as 90, but like turned to 11, essentially, you know, this is incredible. I would watch this 100% of the time, all the time, every day, if I really, really, truly wanted to, Um, you know, it's, it's a special spot. And I also, I reserve a 100 rating for exactly one movie from each release year. So Mad Max Free Road got it in 2015. And there was no movie that was going to get it. You know, if another movie that I saw actually was better than Mad Max, Mad Max would drop down to a 99. Because just simply that's how I want it to work you should not I don't want to have to go to tiebreakers to determine what the best movie of the year was because it should be one movie that's it um so you know last year or no two years ago yeah two years ago um there wasn't, there has, so far in 2014, there hasn't been a movie that I've given 100 to. Uh, Boyhood has a 99. Birdman has a 98. Uh, oh, um, shoot. Whiplash. Whiplash has a 97. Lego Movie and Grand Budapest Hotel both have 96. Uh, you know, so there are, I guess there are some numbers in this episode. Uh, but, you know, so there's, just wasn't a movie that hit that point. You know, Boyhood came so close, uh, but it just missed, just missed. And, you know, there's only six movies right now that have a rating of 100. So, and I've seen movies from 1892 to now. So that's like a span of almost 100 and a little more than about 125 years so there's 119 empty ratings of 100 to be had. You know, I don't simply give it to the movie that has the best, that is the best from that year. It has to earn it still. You know, for example, this year, Zootopia is currently number one. It has been since I've seen it. Nothing has really gotten, really challenged it for my number one movie. You know, the first time I watched Civil War, it came close. 
uh, on rewatch, Civil War dropped 15 points to 79. Um, and then recently, having watched Swiss Army Man, it got a, I gave it a 94, but that's still a two-point gap, and it was never in consideration for being as good as or better than Zootopia. And now... You know, we've come we're coming to awards season, and you know a lot of prestige films are being released right about now. And there's a lot of things I've got my eye on, and so there's plenty of room to jockey at the top. Uh, so you know, we'll see. We'll see if something can knock Zootopia off the off the perch. And I, I do think it's quite possible. It's 96 is incredible, but it's definitely. Like just it's typically not the highest rated movie or it's typically not the rating of the best movie of the year you know generally it's a 98 or 99 um you you have to go go back into like the 90s and earlier than that to find years where i simply just haven't seen enough movies to give to have given something high enough like a 97 98 99 etc So, moving on from that, I guess now what I really want from the spreadsheet going forward, you know, I, obviously I would love for it to be its own web page. I would love for other people to be able to like kind of plug in their own movies and get <clears throat> kind of the same access of information that I have, which is what I love about Letterbox so much is it's the closest I've found to what I really want from a movie website. There's so much more information I wish I could have at my fingertips that I just don't. And particularly a rating system um, that I use from all my all the people involved in movies that I have, you know, that is something that I would love to see. I would love to see that even more finely tuned. Uh, you know, I kind of you know, it's, I would love to kind of break down the point values uh, even more so, you know, so a 61 movie gives you a slightly higher point value than a 60 rated movie, whereas a 69 and 60 movie currently get the same value. Um, So, you know, I would love to finally tune that a little more, Um, maybe even, I've, I've wanted to also like, well, should you be penalized for some number of points because you only did a voice role instead of a full voice and body role? Uh, if you're a narrator, should you be get half credit for that or some some level of penalization? Uh, whether or not you were the main character or a side character, or just a cameo, or whether you were playing yourself or a caricature of yourself whether you had to write and act, whether you had to direct and act, does that give you a bonus or a deficit? You know, there's so many things. <laughs> you know, is this a sequel? You know, how many movies came before this to help you get to the point where this was a better acted movie? You know, if can I get so specific as to rate each performance in the movie? Like, I can't do that right now. I just don't have the capabilities. But it would be awesome for 
there to be a way in which I could, you know, I don't know, go onto the internet, find this spreadsheet website, whatever it would be, and rather than find out that Philip Seymour Hoffman is the best actor on my spreadsheet, of best actor out of all the movies I've seen based on my ratings, I could find out who is the best actor based on the community's ratings of all the movies that I've seen that have people in them. So, you know, presumably it would be pretty similar, the two lists side by side, but there would probably be some big discrepancies. You know, I, or at least I imagine that there would be, you know, maybe, I don't know. I, I think that'd be really interesting to find out. You know, am I typically overrating movies with so-and-so in them because I like them so much and underrating movies with such-and-such -such in in them because I dislike her so much? Or what's the difference? You know, I, I would love to be able to just balance, check and balance my spreadsheet against one other person's, let alone multiples of other people. Uh, I think that would be incredibly interesting you know, specifically to match up ratings of similar movies with someone else. Because, you know, as much as I kind of pride myself on on my blend of subjective and objective ratings, you know, I very, you know, I almost never match up with the Rotten Tomatoes score you know, almost never match up with the Metacritic score, almost never match up with the audience rating. Um, and, you know, most of the people that I talk to in real life, when I say, oh, I give it a 82, it's like, oh, so like an 8 out of 10. Yeah, that's about what I would say. Even if that is their answer, 8 out of 10 is not an 82 to me. That's an 80, you know, like that's not the same thing. And other people just don't rate things out of a hundred because it's too fine, too fine of a detail. You know, people stick to five stars. People stick to uh, out of ten, or five stars with half stars, or five stars without half stars, or what have you. Um, most people don't go to zero. Most people won't go to decimal points. Things like that. You know. And, like, I can rate my movies out of five stars, but it's like rounding up, you know, a, a four-digit number to the hundreds place. You know, you lose something in that adjustment. I, I'm pretty kind of hung up on the semantics of it all. I really and do enjoy the nit picking of one point over another or decimal points over each other and I find that that's uh, particularly for me anyway um, kind of a cathartic exercise to really hone myself on what exactly I feel and you know that's something that I've been working on for many years now determining 
how exactly I make the distinction between a movie rated 57 and a movie rated 58. And is it because of the director of that movie already has a movie rated 57, so I moved it up to 58? Is it because another movie that came out that year has a 57, and I think this is just slightly better? Or is it there are uh, 17 movies that I've rated 57 and only six that I've rated 58? You know, there are so many different factors that I have to consider because I do think that at the end of the day, if you've watched a completely random sample size of movies, which, granted, my particular filmography of movies seen is not exactly random, but I think it's it's tor- going toward that direction, definitely. And if that is the case, then you should end up with a roughly equivalent number of movies at each number of rating and you know when I have you know as the way I've broken down my categories 0 to 24 25 to 49 50 to 59 60 69 70 79 80 89 etc you know the 50 60 70 80 and 90 ranges should all roughly be the same in terms of quantity of films rated in those ranges and then the 0 to 24 and 25 to 49 ranges should be roughly double in terms of total quantity. And the category for movies rated 100 should be like a fraction. And it is. So like the 100 category is roughly where I think it should be. And the 70, 80, 90 ranges, I think 62 at this point, you know, there's definitely some fluctuation there. But they have kind of balanced each other out over the years. You know, 80 is still a little bit above everything else, but 60, 70, and 90 are starting to catch up. And uh, 50 is still behind, and the lower categories are definitely smaller than I think that they should be, ultimately. But that's just... uh, I guess a product of there being a lot of good movies that have to be seen simply for, you know, Academy Awards time and, uh, you know, blockbusterness of it all. So, yeah, thanks for listening. And you can contact me uh, on e- at Gmail, circleoffilm at gmail.com, circlefilm.com, iTunes, Letterboxd at Stranger, and. Have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be to say goodnight. Come on, baby, why don't we paint the town? And all that jazz. So long, farewell, I'll be to say adieu. In the name of love, one night in the name of love. So long, farewell, oh, what I'll be to say. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute.